I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Welcome to episode 127 of the Canto Bite Dispatch. I'm Emily Lind, and with me, as always, it's my delightful co-host, Brittany Brown. Hi, Brittany. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? Eh, good. It's been a week. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah. How's uh, how's everything going with you? Well, I saw cats again. Ooh, how was it? Did you dress up? We did have cat ears. Uh, my friend Steve, I went with him and his wife, and Steve and I are obsessed with cats. And he got us those little the little cat ears that come on a headband. Some of those and they were glittery, and so we wore those for seeing a movie that has been out for a month. How was the theater? It was almost sold out. Like it's not it's not a huge screen or anything because they're the ones that have like the big leather like reclining seats, so it's not it's not like an amphitheater or anything. But still, almost sold out for cats. Hmm. Uh, how was the crowd? The crowd were they as exciting as the last one? Not as exciting as the last one, but there definitely was a lot of laughter throughout. Like basically any time that. Judy Dench is shown, you would hear sniggering. And during some supposed like dramatic moments, there'd be laughter. And people did start to clap along with Magical Mr. Mistopheles again. No one was shushing the audience. Nobody nobody shushed anybody. <laughs> I love it. But it was fun. And we might go see it a third time because the Alamo Draft House is supposedly doing what they call a rowdy screening. And there'll be like all sorts of shit going on with that. So hopefully I can get to, like I have I, I'm obsessed with doing that so much that I put their Twitter feed like to send me in an alert whenever they tweet so that when tickets go up, I will see them right away. Oh, you have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be so bummed if they do it and I miss out. (laughs) 
Oh, man, that almost makes me want to try to get tickets for you because just, you know, in case you don't, I want to be your backup and be like, I got the tickets. <laughs> uh. Uh, okay, Emily, I don't know how to address this, but there was an incident on a podcast I listened to. Oh, is it time for Geek Dudes Corner, which is what I'm now calling this segment because apparently it's going to be a segment on our podcast. <sighs> yeah. All right, uh, Geek Dudes Corner entry number two. <sighs> I have two new fears in life. Okay, what are those two fears? Convertibles on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those who don't listen to the Geek Dudes, I mean, first of all, you should listen to the Geek Dudes. But the continuing saga, saga of this one is, of course, uh, Fresh made some remarks about Britney's sister on their podcast Eric then sent us an e- Eric Strathers then sent us an email inspired by that we responded to that last week on our podcast and then the most recent geek dudes Chris Fresh has had an idea which is that he comes to America rents a convertible picks up Strathers and then they go and get your mom and sister and drive to the beach and drive to the beach they didn't say what beach, though, and I'm surrounded by so many beaches. You have, you know, the Coronado Beach, Mission Bay, OB, so okay. many beaches. Is there any beach where you are okay with your mom and Eric Strothers going there in a convertible? I mean, Coronado was pretty nice, so maybe that... <laughs> does, that make it, does that make it better or worse? Is it better if they go to a nice beach, or is it better if they go to a trashy beach? I mean, a nice beach, because you gotta go to Coronado. You have to, because it's it's cute little island. Fresh would be there, I guess. I Why know. are you giving them ideas? You are supposed to be discouraging this. It's like, you know how in Star Wars there's legends and then there's canon? Yeah. This is fucking legends. <gasps> Eric could be your stepdad. Uh, I can imagine just Eric coming in my room and telling me to clean it. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, so, it's so funny, though, because uh, there have been many times where I've, you know, tried to convince my sister to, you know, come to events and everything. And now especially, I, I feel the need to invite her and not tell her anything that's going on with this podcast. Because her understanding of this podcast is that we sit here and talk about fucking Star Wars characters and sexy sweaters. I don't know why the sexy sweaters. I think like a couple hundred episodes ago, we were talking about sweaters or something. And... And she also used to tell people that this podcast was called Two Girls, One Pod. So I don't know. Which is a great title, but is absolutely certainly in use. Yeah. My mom, too. I I, I don't know how to tell my mom that she's a, um, a contributing member of this community now. Why would you ever tell her? <laughs> I tell my mom everything. She, um, I'm surprised she hasn't talked to me about this yet because I know on her phone she gets notifications whenever I tweet or whenever I'm mentioned. That's crazy. I know. Oh my God. 
I mean, my dad follows me on Twitter, but he's very, very rarely on Twitter. And also at this point, it's his own damn fault. I mean, anything that he sees, I mean, like whatever he knows. But as long as he never, he he never responds to anything. So that's fine. So I just live in ignorance of what he's seen and what he is not. I know. I think since yesterday, I've been, I've been like thinking of texting my sister, asking her like what she thinks of like wrestling or like uh, He Man or uh, other things. Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. Because I don't know. I'm not saying that like Chris Fest should be like a good option for my sister, but I think she could, she could have some fun. Yeah. There you go. Does I Chris mean, Fest like Disneyland. Yeah. I, th- I think so. I don't know. I don't know his feelings on Disney. We need to get him to go because I already know that we're getting Lady J and Jonesy to go. Which I think we all should go to Disneyland together. I'm already planning it now in my head. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> and Emily, you're going too. Even Chris said on the podcast that we got to get you on Autotopia. He said the cars ride by. No, he meant Autotopia. He did because he knows that I'm not going to and he likes to annoy me. But also, Emily. also, apparently I'm going to violently attack him, which seems, I mean, that seems a bit extreme. Chris Fresh, Chris Fresh, first, uh, f- first you insinuate that you're going to take my mom and my sister in a convertible to the beach. And then you accuse Emily of, of this behavior. Also, also, I don't like the fact that I've apparently been thrown over for your sister. I resent that a lot. How do you think I feel? It's my sister. I'm like Marsha, Marsha, Marsha here. I mean, Chris Ress, you're supposed to be the love of my life. So I don't, I don't quite understand what's happening. Emily, we are always the bridesmaid, never the bride. It's very, it makes me very sad. My feelings are hurt. Mine are too, but you know, there's always next recording where Chris Fresh would wake would wake up and be like, "I am so wrong. I need to take Emily and Brittany on a convertible to the beach." <laughs> Is Boo okay with that? Oh yeah, yeah, I would think so. Anyway, feelings were hurt. Chris Fresh is mean. And, like, also keep your mom away from Eric Strothers. It just sucks because it's just, I love Eric Strothers so much. And I know that my mom would love Eric Strothers so much. Because I think once, like, I posted, like, a picture of, like, Rusty for his birthday. And it was an old one of, like, him when he was a baby with my mom. And Eric said something and I told my mom. And she's like, oh, he's too kind. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, gosh. What has this turned into? My sister's going to kill me if she ever finds out any of this because she's always like, I want to be part of your community. Well, guess what? You're part of the community. (laughs) Maybe not in the way that anyone would want to be part of this community, but. I got to bring her to celebration just without any context. (laughs) What is like, that's like an exhibit. Like, hey, look at my sister. Yeah, just, hey, this is my sister, everyone. Look, look who I brought here. And then fresh looking at the distance, knowing that what what could have been if if he went to Celebration Anaheim. (laughs) 
yeah, listen to the Geek Juice podcast. It's very funny. It's easily become one of my favorite podcasts to listen to because there's nothing like sitting at work listening to masturbation habits. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, I'm sorry. I know I know we've had this debate before. There's no way we are dirtier than their show. No, because we don't have a, a segment on our podcast where we sit down and, and talk about our habits. No, no. We, like, I mean... I don't I don't I know more about how fresh and jonesy masturbate than I know about how you masturbate by a long shot because I know nothing about how you masturbate and I know a lot how how would they masturbate yeah it's it's truly something because fresh masturbates to jewel and Jonesy masturbates into socks over horse porn. So I still can't believe that was announced to a crowd of hundreds of people recently. <laughs> I'm so proud. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. Anything else for Geek Dude's Corner? Um, no, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, we could check Twitter right now to see if there are any uh, current beef-related topics, but I really don't see anything. I don't think so. I think we're all good for now. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our new segment. Um, so Star Wars, some stuff, I mean, it's weird. Well, stuff didn't actually happen, is the thing. Um... In terms of actual news. But there was some interesting stuff that came out. One on on the Star Wars Leaks section in Reddit. Somebody put up a review of what is supposedly one of the Colin Trevorrow scripts. I forgot. Uh, Derek Connolly is the other writer, I think. Uh, the one that went up first was from a week before Carrie Fisher died. And appears to be pretty genuine in that AV Club has said that they've verified that the stuff, the stuff that's in there, the stuff that was talked about is. Uh, is accurate. And I trust AV Club's verification of that. Yeah. Now, as far as I can tell, like actual script isn't up anywhere, but there are lots of, of versions of notes of it and articles talking about this review of it. And then Jason Ward of makingstowers.net had notes of what is apparently... Trevor and Connolly's final draft before they were d- 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 fired. It just doesn't seem right as to why they were fired because I look at the script and I like it. 
I, I, yeah, I mean, nothing. It's like, it's so, it's hard because, I mean, a script is not a movie. And, well, there's stuff in here that I, there's stuff in here I don't like. There's stuff in here I do like. There's, there's nothing in here that I saw that went, oh, I can see why they decided not to make this movie. Like it's, I was expecting it to be super, super outlandish. And again, like that, we didn't, we don't know the actual script. We know that like script beats, but and and so I wonder, I wonder how much it was there was anything in there they particularly hated, or it just wasn't what they wanted, and then Trevorrow didn't want to do whatever they wanted him to do. You know, whether this was a no, we got to get this guy gone thing or whether if it was like with Gordon Miller, it seemed more like they wanted Gordon Miller to make a different movie. So Gordon Miller said, okay, that's, that's not the movie we're going to make. So bye. Uh, I, I really, like, look, I've talked about this before. I do not like the man. And I think he, like, every time I, like, see him in an interview and stuff, I want to punch him in the face. Which is, like, unfair. He just seems like an asshole, not like a monster or anything. I just don't like him. But I I do wonder if it was, like, a... He didn't want to make whatever the movie was they wanted him to make. Yeah, he probably put his foot down and said, no, I'm not changing it. And they were like, okay, bye. Yeah, and and, and sort of, I mean, in a way, like, more power to him, really. I mean, to to be that close to making a Star Wars movie and it to say no because they want you to make a different movie than you want to make, if that's what happened, then I think that's, that's, that's a, you know, that's a brave choice to make. But I don't know. I don't know. Because again, like reading this script, there's weird stuff in it, but nothing, there's nothing here that makes me go, I don't, there's nothing that makes me go, I, I totally see why this guy got fired. Yeah. Did you see some of the art? the rumored art because i i think our friend Corey was posting some of it and a lot was at the jedi temple um there's some like weird animal creature with kylo i don't know but well some of that like some of that um and i saw some people like like the oh my god i never remember name the guy who released the art of books talking about how something being in the art of book is not does not mean this almost made the movie because concept art concept artists are given a lot of leeway and like a lot of creative freedom it's it's just weird the only the only thing that i find funny in this script is the ray salona thing yeah i think that out of my head honestly though like if i were choosing between that and ray palpatine there's, there's no fucking choice Like, Star Wars is always doing stupid-ass shit with their names, so whatever. 
And there's more Rose in the script. There's a lot. They're like, oh, Rose actually has things to do. She and Finn go off. They're, they're the ones who go to Coruscant, right? Yeah. Man, it would have been cool to go to Coruscant. One thing that I am not the biggest fan of in this trilogy is that they completely ignore that the prequels were a thing. Like, I know what a lot of people think of the prequels, but it's still in Star Wars. It's still canon. And I feel like J.J. does too good of a job avoiding that. You know, like in the, you know, like in The Force Awakens when he, you know, threatens that, oh, clone army can do better. Or no, I think it was, it was Kylo set to Hux. Or just things kind of just putting a middle finger up to the prequels. And I get it. You know, prequels aren't your thing, Emily. Prequels aren't a lot of people's thing, but it's still Star Wars. And the opportunity to visit these planets would have been fucking awesome. You could get to go to Tatooine, or not Tatooine. We did go to Tatooine. The movie ended in Tatooine, which, fuck, whatever. At least they could have ended it with a scene that didn't look like weird CGI. I don't know. It just would have been cool to go to Coruscant, maybe the Jedi Temple, or do something. You know, even some of the Mortis stuff seemed interesting. Like, I didn't, I thought that they were going to do that, and they didn't, so... You know, the Mortis thing is interesting because I, I don't I don't love those Mortis episodes on the clone. It's a little, it's just not like, it's not my Star Wars. But I saw people on Twitter being like, I don't understand how you can do Mortis in a movie. It wouldn't make any sense to people who haven't seen Clone Wars. I'm like, well, no, you just, you never mention what happened in the Clone Wars. You just explain it the way you explain any other thing that's, like they brought the fucking dark saber into into Mandalorian. Nobody knows what that is if they haven't seen the cartoons, but they're going to explain it on the show because that's how you make a goddamn TV show. Just like that's how you make a movie. You don't have to explain everything that ever happened on Mortis because audience doesn't need to understand everything that happened on Mortis. You just explain what they're there for, which is this idea of the living force. You explain it in the movie, and if you've seen Mortis before, it's awesome. And if you haven't seen Mortis before, oh, you're suddenly on a new planet. That's cool. It just sucks because it's like I see all these bullet point notes and I can tell this was made from love. This was made from, okay, I know what's going to happen in episode seven. I know what happened in episode eight. All right, I'm going to sit down, write this. And, you know, this was 2016. So a little... A little over two years before, you know, we're going to put this up. Because didn't they want to release this in May of 2019? And then they just bumped it up? Or I, I forget it, what exactly it happened. Got bumped, it got bumped a while ago. But yeah, originally it was going to be May. It's just a shame to see something that was obviously built off of love. I have to not- say, like, I feel I feel very bad about how much I rejoiced over him getting fired. Yeah. And granted, I had just seen Book of Henry, which is remains one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's terrible. I do not particularly like, oh, not, not particularly, I do not like his Jurassic World mo- movie. Like, but I like at least the, the bullet points of his Star Wars story. I think it's really interesting. And it feels more like a sequel to The Last Jedi than Rise of Skywalker does. JJ saw The Last Jedi, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting question. And I like I like that in the Trevorrow script 
Luke is around. I mean, his ghost, obviously. But, like, Luke is mentoring her and stuff. And don't get me wrong, I like the idea of Leia training her. But I don't I don't think it actually, like, works that well in the movie. And I will say, I like the... I like the f- the earlier script better than I like the later script. A lot of that, of course, is because the earlier script is before Carrie died. And so there's a ton of revisions they had to make because she was in that movie a lot. I just can't imagine how difficult that would be for a writer to have to, you know, write write around the the death of a major character. So... (laughs) I could see why all these problems arose. And, you know, in the beginning when I saw that Trevor left, I'm like, yeah, because what do you do with that? And, but it's nice knowing that he tried. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I just, I just, uh, the, the Rose thing in particular really sticks with me. And that that's that's something that's um like always gonna be a real big problem with this movie. And seeing seeing that not everybody would have ignored her like makes me angrier, you know, in a way. Cause like, oh, we we could have had Rose. It just I don't know, like I knew like you know that it was a decision on on JJ's part, but somehow seeing that Trevorrow had her in it a bunch makes it feel like more of a slap in the face. It still confuses me why at Celebration, JJ had that moment where he's like, the best thing Ryan Johnson did was introduce Kelly Marie Tran and Rose. Like, why did he do that? Did she know what he was doing? Like, did she know the script at that point and how little she was in it? I don't fucking know, man. It's a huge fucking bummer. It's weird. And something just doesn't seem right. I th- I think that, honestly, like, she got cut out of the movie. I think that she probably had a shit ton of scenes. And, you know, even in interviews, she says, oh, I don't know if that made the movie. Because she probably saw, holy shit, I'm not in this movie. Because she probably recorded s- or filmed so much shit. I don't know. It- it's It's just weird. You know... I'm fine. With, I, I like this movie. It's Star Wars. I'm always in, but it's something that I, I'm fine with not going back to, you know, it's something that obviously I'm going to see it when it's, you know, at, when I have it on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever the fuck Disney plus. And even today, like I'm going to the movies and I'm just like, I don't want to see Star Wars again. I'm good. And it sucks that I'm feeling like that because when The Last Jedi came out, that's all I fucking wanted to do. What am I doing? Nothing. Let's go see The Last Jedi, you know? It's just, what is Star Wars doing with these movies? You know, first Solo, what the fuck was that? And now this, like... I mean, but here's the thing is, like, I don't like, look, I don't like Solo, but at least Solo just exists on its own. Whereas this now, like, when I go back to rewatch The Last Jedi, I'm just going to be fucking bummed out. Because I can't just forget this movie existed and how much it, like, shits all over that movie. Also, Duel of the Fates is a better title. 
Oh, wow. I, I didn't think you'd think that. Yeah. It's a good title. Look, I like the rise of, like, I, when, when, you know, when the title was first announced, Celebration, my actual guy, beyond, like, oh, my God, that's awesome. My next thought was, well, maybe it's not awesome, depending what it means. But really, in the end, like, it didn't, it doesn't feel like it means much of anything. Like, and even with her taking, yeah, like, even with her taking the name on the end, like, that, that title, I, I think, is, a, like, a bit of a a lie to what this movie actually is. What were you saying about Puppetine? If I have to hear the Emperor's theme one more time. <laughs> I hate it now. I hate it. And almost the Imperial March too, because that's all really the soundtrack is, is just homages to the original trilogy, the Emperor's theme, Vader's theme, all this stuff. Like nothing is original. Like, Kylo Ren was created because, you know, he fucking worshipped Vader and he wanted to do what Vader couldn't do. But what did Vader do? I mean, he killed a lot of people. That's it. That's all Vader did. Killed the Jedi Order. All of this shit. Yeah. Like, it just, they created a villain who couldn't be a villain on his own. They saw that, you know, how he left in The Last Jedi, you know, you thought he was going to go good, then he went bad. Like, you see the conflict. And then you have the next movie where he's not even the main bad guy. They have to bring Palpatine in because they know that he's not capable of doing this shit on his own. It's just... And the fact is, like, he could be such a cool bad guy. He could be, but he wasn't. And it's like they they t- they felt the need because they knew they w- they decided they were going to like redeem him or whatever, and so then they do all this stuff to make it be like, oh well, really, like it was just these voices in his head all the time, like it's all been palp, like it's just bullshit, like. Do your stupid redemption story, but don't try to act like he's not responsible for they've they've done so much to try to make him not responsible for his actions, and that annoys me deeply. It just annoys me that Ryan Johnson wrote this beautiful film and created all these arcs for these characters. And you know, JJ, like, obviously JJ didn't have enough time with the script and everything, but just the ending wasn't as good as I thought it'd be. Like, I'm glad it's over, don't get me wrong. But, I don't know, I wanted more, and it just shows how weak this trilogy was. It was weak. It was all over the place. It was scattered. And it sucks because The Last Jedi was one of my favorite movies. But this trilogy as a whole was probably my least favorite. And it sucks because I love, I fucking love Ray. Ray's one of my favorite characters. I fucking love Finn and Poe and everyone. But I just can't see past all the flaws. Yeah, I, just, I don't know quite what to do. It's hard when, I mean, because I fucking the last Jedi is by far the best Star Wars movie 
Um, not always my favorite. I, I mean, just for nostalgic reasons, but I think the best one. And I, for all its flaws, I really like The Force Awakens. But I don't know what to do with a trilogy where I hate the third movie. Yeah. Like the prequels, my answer's easy. Like I just I just don't watch the prequels because I don't like the prequels. And that's fine because there's other stars that I can watch. But when I really like two of the movies and on but like it'd be one thing if I didn't like the first movie and then the second two movies were awesome. But when you don't like the end, it makes it really hard to go back and rewatch the beginning. How do you pretend that a movie doesn't exist when it's like the last movie of the, yeah. the trilogy? Yeah. Like how when, do you it, do that? when it is the movie that is the end of the characters. I'm really excited for Celebration to see what shit they're going to try to pull with a, oh, this is, you know, they're probably going to have some writers to be like, this is what happened with this or that. Or maybe they're just going to completely ignore that episode nine was a thing. I don't know. I mean, they'll have others. Hopefully they'll have like new stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, there should be stuff coming out. Oh, um, do you want to hear a Rise of the Resistance update? Oh, sure. Um, it's crazy. Um, literally, so I, I think I discussed this last week of how they're doing it. It's like a virtual queue and it's like boarding passes. So you get into the park and there's like the Disneyland app and you and right when the park opens, you have to select that you're part of a boarding pass. And... How it's been going is the first day, um, all boarding passes went out in 45 seconds. Um, yesterday, two minutes. I think today was also 45 seconds to a minute. But it's interesting because you're only given 70, or there's only 75 groups. And if you are higher than 75, then you are part of like the backup group. And it's not guaranteed. It's only if like, if the ride is going by fast or they're getting people on fast because I've seen people that were boarding group. I think Jason Ward for making star Wars was like boarding group, like 100 and something. And he got in at like 7 PM. How big is each boarding group? Um, it's up to, it's, I think it's up to eight people or it's your party. I, I should look into that because it doesn't seem right. I think a because I think group, the boarding I think I think a boarding group has to be more than just like I don't think a boarding group is necessarily like your party. Like I feel like maybe there's more than one party in a boarding group because otherwise those numbers don't seem to work out at all. Yeah, here I'm gonna look that up because that only be that would only be like 600 people a day, which can't be right, can it? No, it can't. It has to be like. It has to be more than because. It has to be up to one to two to two hundred people, or probably more. That's the only thing I don't know is it's just it's all random. Like, Araj tried to go, 
on uh, Friday and wasn't able to get a boarding pass. That's been happening to a lot of people. There are people that got there two in the morning and got into the park and were able to get a boarding pass because obviously there's going to be problems with technology when everyone's on the same app trying to press something because a lot of people kept getting errors. Yeah. So that really sucks. It's just really interesting because um, so everyone gets their boarding passes and then everyone leaves the park. So the park is virtually empty. So there's not a lot of park attendants because people are just going to the park to ride the ride because they're getting boarding passes at like six or seven o'clock at night. They're like, I'm going to go home or I'm going to go do something else. Like they're not staying in the park. So obviously the park is going to be suffering because of this. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. I think in Walt Disney World, they stopped doing the boarding passes and they've just gone to regular standby lines. But it's interesting that they're not doing fast passes for this. I don't understand it. Maybe it's maybe I'll figure out why. But especially with um, Smuggler's Run, I don't get it at all. I think it's weird. Even in Pandora for Flight of Passage, they have fast passes. I don't know what they're trying to prove here with Galaxy's Edge. I mean, so far, all the people that have reviewed the ride have said that it puts the rest of Galaxy's Edge to shame, which is fucking ridiculous that a ride is better than an actual land. Disney. So. I don't know, but I'm keeping up with the patterns of guests and how people are trying to get boarding passes because I'm going in early February and I am going to be mad if I do not get a boarding pass, but. Oh, well, there's worse things in life than getting a boarding pass to a probably one of the best rides. People are saying that's like the best ride they've ever ridden, which no one said that about fucking Smuggler's Run. So <laughs> I'm pretty confident this is going to be a good time. Uh, so the other thing that happened is there was a brief worry that the Obi-Wan show was donezo. And I saw a cu- like there were some people on Twitter who were making fun of this cuz there was a cuz they thought it all originated with this this quote unquote parody account that had tweeted about it. But then you saw Anthony Bresnikin and some other reporters responding they're like no that parody account thing like like there, there were reports, there were rumors of Obi Wan like prior to that going up. Like people have been looking into the story and trying to get confirmation already. When when that account tweeted, so whatever, like something happened, but nothing happened, and that Obi Wan is still happening. Yeah, that was weird. I would have been really bummed out that he would have left like i don't know why he would have left the project yeah there were there were claims that that ewan mcgregor had had backed out i mean this is something that he's wanted to do for so long it's something that he's waited for years to do yeah when i first heard that i'm like i mean i was just like my thought was how bad could this be that he decides he doesn't want to be involved in it after all of this. Then why bring him to D23 and have that big announcement thing? I mean, thank God they didn't do that with Boba Fett. I mean, I think they were about to show like a trailer or something. Yeah, they were. They and, then, last minute. and then uh, Trank went fucking mental. But uh, 
I wish they had that trailer somewhere. Yeah, I would be I would be really interested to see it. But yeah, so Obi-Wan's still happening. Um which is sort of interesting to see that like light up on Twitter. Lots of people freaking out. Yeah. And I'm just, I was like, my immediate thought was, man, I just want, oh, and like you said this too, like, I just want Deborah Chow to do something. Yeah, I was like, please just give her something to do. Like, I don't care. You know, I, it sucks about Obi-Wan, but please just give her something. Like, I want to see more of her work. Yeah, I like her. Oh, and in semi-related news to that is apparently Taika Waititi has been approached to do something and that's 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 it there's no there's no news at all it is like beyond way too early to get excited about it but man i'd be so excited if he does a star wars movie you know the mandalorian has given me hope that star wars is back on track and i think that you know it's genius that they're getting some of these directors and possibly writers and sitting them in the room be like let's do something let's do something star wars because takia was perfect you know that last episode of the mandalorian was some of the best television i'll ever see in my life that whole series you know season one is probably some of the best television i'm ever going to see in my entire life and it's awesome knowing that that star wars and that there are people working so hard to be doing that and creating 85,000 Baby Yoda Muppets. I love Baby Yoda. But no, I just, I'm such a huge fan of Taika. He's such an interesting director. And I think, like, he has just, like, he's a great, like, his his ideas are so fucking cool. Um I'm really, yeah, I want him to do something in Star Wars. I mean, I'm excited for his next Thor movie, but man, like him doing something with Star Wars, like something of his own and not just directing an episode of somebody else's TV show. I would love it. I'd be, I'd just like, that's like one of my dream directors. He'd do such a good fucking job. Yeah. Although... I mean, people who are like actually making Star Wars movies don't get to make Star Wars movies, so it's hard to get it's hard to get excited at this stage for anybody. Yeah. And then he even posted something on Twitter about it, you know, because he he posted um, a picture. I think it was of an album, right? That said rumors. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it sounds good. I think the rumors might be true. Uh, well, yeah, but even if they are, like, even even if it is, like, I I totally believe they've talked to him about it. Whether that means we're gonna get a movie, like, there's a there's there's a long way to go on that. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm gonna be mad that we ever knew it could have happened.
It just reminds me of all those people that are like, he's rumored to do this. He's rumored to do a Boba Fett series. He's rumored to do an Obi-Wan series. Yeah, I mean, we've just, there's been, there's been so many things. Like either, I mean, there have been flat out people getting fired, like, like Josh Strank. And then there's stuff that was rumored, like the uh, James Mangold Boba Fett movie that just, like, that was something about for about a week and then was never mentioned again. So, you know... As much as I want to know what the next thing is, like, I want to actually know and not have it be something that gets canceled or was never real in the first place. Yeah. Would be cool, though. Um, yeah. yeah, it would, would be. be cool. I'm glad Obi-Wan's still happening. Me too. I'm so excited to see him after all these years. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, got some. We had two episodes of the Resistance, not the Resistance, just Resistance. Yeah. Did you watch them? Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're winding down on the show. There is, as we're recording this, three episodes left. So we're not talking about the one that was on today, but the ones that were on last week, which was the two-parter, A New World, and then No Place Safe, and that is when the Colossus comes to this planet that they think um, isn't at all on the First Order's radar, and that it should be a place where they can make a home. And then in the first part, when they're off exploring the planet, uh, Griff and Kaz get captured by some fish people. Because this planet used to be like a rebel hideout and then bad things happened and the fish people are not particularly pleased to see any strangers, but are especially displeased when they find Griff's um, helmet. Cause it's the modified uh, TIE fighter helmet. It was nice to finally get Griff. Yeah. I love Steve Stanton. It was just nice remembering that Steve Stanton is actually in resistance because he's had literally like no screen time. Yeah, and he's really good and this isn't like I think for the the concept of this character is interesting which we find out. I mean, we knew obviously that he was an ex-imperial, but apparently it was it was Doza who who like brought him with him when he left, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed hearing hearing that story, and it's nice knowing that there are followers of Doza that are you know still on the Colossus. Yeah, who are super loyal to, and I think it, it it's an interesting it's an it may it makes Doza's character super interesting in that. When when he left the Empire, he, he had people who he trusted enough to be like, hey, do you want to come with me? And and I think yeah. that's cool because, like, the trust and loyalty to, like, to certain commanders doesn't, doesn't seem like it's something that was in in the Empire a lot. 
like to have faith that they wouldn't just kill you and might actually come with you is really i think it, it makes him an even more interesting dude yeah and then kaz wants to help the fish people because they because their healers are all dead and they need help but also they're gonna totally kill them i mean kill griffin kaz because you know why wouldn't you but then when they're getting let off to be executed kaz breaks away for a bit and goes and like injects one of their sick guys with some medicine and then he gets healed and so then the fish queen is really grateful and decides that the colossus can stay I like the fish queen. I like the fish queen, and I liked the big uh, flying, like, like manta ray-looking fish that they ride. I just really like that planet. What was it called I again? I do not remember what it was called. But, of course, we know that the Nolly Never actually is going to work out, because there's still three episodes to go. So, the First Order has some probes out there, and another thing, which is, Cass has decided that he's going to leave the Colossus and go, like, fully be with the Resistance. So, he's going to go meet up with that Resistance guy who they met a few episodes back, and and he's just, he's going to be a Resistance fighter now. And there's a very, there's very sweet, like, scene of, of Niku being really upset that he's leaving. And, you know, Tor is pretty upset. And then, um, Yeager gives him the Firebird to go and leave. Yeah, I mean, that's all really touching, but I don't know. Not that I think that Kaz should have had the mentality to leave, but, I mean, he's full-on focused on, you know, the classes and everything. Like, I know that he wants to fight the resistance and everything, but he's a pretty big member of, you know, the Colossus, and he's probably been why been the reason why a couple times like the Colossus has been saved or this or that so him leaving the Colossus could potentially cause harm to everyone but he thinks the Colossus is, the Colossus thinks they've found a safe place like they think they can hide out there and Kaz is and Kaz is thought there isn't the Colossus isn't safe his thought is well the Colossus might be safe but the unit like the galaxy's not going to be safe while the First Order is still out there. And so he can't just, like, hang out on this planet thinking that everything's going to be okay knowing that the First Order is out there. Yeah. I don't know. But, I mean, like, how is Kaz going to help the Resistance? Like, what... What is he going to do? Well, the Resistance needs bodies. Yeah. I mean, he's going to go fly and probably get killed, but that's what you do. That's deep. I 
know it's one of the it's one of the few times when I really like really liked Kaz. Um, that's why I, that's why I feel conflicted. <laughs> but yeah, but as leaving this this probe sees him, and the picture of it goes back to the first order. So then they come in, and it is, of course, the ship that Tam is on. And so when the aces are all out, um, including Kaz and Jaeger's ship. Because he fucked up his other ship. Like he has done a lot. Um, he is going to do a bombing run on the bridge of the. of um, Why can't I think of the. the what, are, uh, what are they fucking called? The Imperial ships. My, my brain is not working. Dreadnought and. and uh... Why isn't mine working either? Like I feel, I feel ship. Star Wars. Like what? Like honestly, what is wrong with either of us? <laughs> Crisis is. I can't. Star Destroyer. Star <laughs> like all I could think of was Starfighter, and I'm like, that is so wrong. Jeez. I was thinking Starship. <laughs> Star Destroyer. God damn. Okay. Yeah, we do. See what Resistance does we to do our brain. Star Wars podcast. Anyway, yeah, so he's going to do Popping Run on his Star And um, Tam is in the is um, in the TIE Fighter behind him. And he doesn't know it's her. Although later he says he has a feeling it was. And she's locked on weapons to him. And she does hesitate. But then when he fires on the ship, he, she like brings in her fighter so she takes the hit instead. And so she doesn't, you know, kill Kaz or anything, but she also stops him from blowing up the Star Destroyer. And then, I mean, obviously the the Colossus jumps away just in time. And then Kaz and Yeager have a discussion where Kaz tells Yeager that he had a feeling that it was that it was um, that was Tam. How how he had that feeling, no idea. But and Yeager tells him, you know, like maybe. Maybe it's time to finally give up on her, which was sad. And then over on the Star Destroyer, Tam is given a promotion because, you know, obviously she nearly sacrificed her own life in order to, to stop them from being destroyed. So... I don't know. I mean, if if I were in the First Order and I saw how difficult it was for, like, Tam to do something to these traitors, like, I would send her to another division or something. Because I know that she got promoted and everything for staying, for saving the Star Destroyer. But 
she's really doing nothing to help destroy the Colossus. I mean, no one is. The fact that the Colossus is still a living, breathing thing is very, should be very concerning for the first Yeah, but that's like, you know, that's the whole, along with stormtroopers never being able to hit anything kind of deal. Yeah, and it just it just shows that Tam is forever going to have this conflict, and she'll probably turn one of these days. But I'm not going to be surprised if she doesn't. Like she has no reason to, other than you know her realizing, oh, the First Order are bad people. Look how many people they killed. You know, it just doesn't. It, it seems very unlikely that in a Star Wars cartoon show, especially four kids they would just leave her not going back like that doesn't seem like a thing you do on a kids show yeah but also killing her i mean i don't know unless i i i don't know if this show is going to kill anybody but maybe like her sacrificing herself to save like kaz or jaeger or somebody Maybe. I don't know. I just, I'm (laughs) not that I'm happy that it's ending soon, but I'm glad that this is ending on its own terms and that it, it has the potential to have a really good ending. Yeah. When, when we have these episodes that are actually focused on this story of the Colossus on the run and the first order is actually in the episodes I think those episodes are all have all been really interesting and really good. It's all the little yeah. side adventures where I, I don't know, they, they they haven't been good enough about developing the characters of this show for those side adventures to hold my interest. I mean, these side adventures would be fine if they were like four or five seasons in. You know, the Clone Wars would have that every once in a while, but... It's only two seasons long. I mean, I want to get to know the characters as soon as possible. And I feel like I haven't gotten the opportunity to do that, which is why I feel nothing emotionally. Well, that's... I'm not emotionally attached well, to Well, that thing characters. is, I think it's so weird is normally side adventures are when you do that storytelling. Normally side adventures are when you do like really dig into the, the sort of, I mean, not like minor characters, but you know, you're... Your characters who are a step down from like Kaz, and and so I don't know. It's just it's weird that the show hasn't hasn't done that, and so many of the cider adventures have just been like Kaz tripping over things. Like we've gotten some good stuff. Like we've we've gotten like occasionally like we'll have an episode about Yeager and that's really good or we'll have an episode that's really focused on on Tora or that's great but I don't know so much of their of their other stuff was just was just really goofy when I I don't know I just I wish they had done they had done something else with at least some of those episodes yeah me too it's just such a shame because like season one like I, I really liked it it was something that where i was like okay like some of these episodes are not that great Kaz is terrible it's fine but season two man fuck 
this is just all over the place. Yeah, I I think they should have just done like a 10 episode season and just done the main story. Uh, I mean, I think they're ending this kind of close to around when Clone Wars is going to start. So at least when it's over, we have something new and fresh to talk about. Yeah, there's there's three more episodes. There's one today and then the final like next week is is two episodes. Sweet. Uh, do you want to talk about a better TV show? Yes. So, ditching Star Wars even tendentially, Ben Mendelsohn is on a new TV show. And it's a limited series. I think it's only eight episodes. But it is the new HBO series, which is based on the novel The Outsider by Stephen King. Now, I have read the book. Brittany has not. There are going to be spoilers for the show, not for the book, because I don't want to ruin anything for Brittany. Yeah. Um, we'll be talking about the first two episodes, because those were ones that were on last Sunday. There's another episode on tonight, but we're talking about episodes one and two. So, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler warning. If you haven't seen the show, bail out now. I mean, we're not going to go through scene by scene or anything, but there's going to be spoilers talked about. Okay, so premise of the show. We're in a like fairly small town in Georgia. And the show opens with the body of a child being discovered in the woods. Um, we'll learn later, like pretty horribly assaulted and tortured. And um, our boy Mendo is the lead cop in the town, Ralph. And he is obviously investigating this. And Jason Bateman, who was given an excellent performance, is the guy he arrests for the murder because he has a couple, he has several witnesses seeing him either talk to the kid and like put him in his van to give him a ride home or a little girl who sees him later covered in blood. A guy who works as a bouncer at a strip club also later sees him covered in blood. They have video footage of him at some of these places. And so Ralph, who has lost his own child to cancer, his kid who had been coached by Jason Bateman's character because he coaches baseball, decides not only is he going to arrest him, he's going to arrest him at this baseball game. So very, very, very public. And then... Jason Bateman says that he is, is arrested with no pre-interview or anything. But he says he has an alibi. And it turns out that alibi is verified by TV footage of him being at a teacher's conference 70 miles away at the time this kid supposedly died. 
Um, there's also stuff. So, okay, there's it's pretty like this. Okay, so the 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 kid is killed at the later the child's mother has a breakdown so much that she has a heart attack and dies. And then we'll get into the other stuff that happens later. This family is not doing too well. But Brittany, what did you? What were your thoughts watching this show? Who's the dude in the mask? Okay, so I'm not going to tell you that. But for people, like, yeah. So um, <laughs> when, when we see some of these scenes and stuff around, there is a figure in a in like a gray hoodie lurking about and is wearing a mask or has a masked up face or something. But we do, like we do, that's like you just sort of see him fleetingly a couple of times throughout the show. Um, it's interesting because, you know, I, I think of all the people that, you know, could have killed the little boy. And then, you know, like at first I think it's it's um, his brother, you know, because as you know, they're burying or you know i think they were at they were somewhere i think they were picking out the um what am i i'm, I'm blanking on caskets. words but they're the f- caskets yeah they're picking out caskets for the mom because the mom died of their heart attack so he's looking you know really suspicious i'm thinking oh like maybe he did it but then so they all get to the courthouse and you see someone with their face covered up shoot two cops they shot Tamika in the foot and they shot Terry and then Mendo kills him. And then you find out that fucking Terry's dead. Terry died of his wounds because he was shot in the neck. Yeah. And yeah. And so like we first, you don't know who the shooter is. It turns out the shooter is the brother. And then the dad unsuccessfully hangs himself it's a lot it's so sad what that family has been through in the past i even know how the time span of that but first they lose their young boy and then they lose mom and then another boy and then dad decides to not only try to kill himself but kill himself in his son's bedroom i don't know which son but yeah, and um, meanwhile, so Terry is Jason Bateman's character, and his family uh, is is two young daughters, and the younger daughter is seemingly having nightmares about a figure being in a room. And then there's, okay, so there's this other, like, weird detail, which is the van that one of the witnesses saw Terry driving when he picked up the kid on his bike. And that's where, I mean, there's all sorts of forensic evidence that, that links Terry to it. There's fing- there's not only fingerprints, it's a blood, there's blood type match, there's, like, DNA matches, Terry says he's never seen this van before. The license plates are from New York, a place he has not been. But there's this story that comes out, which is 
some like kid who had been like stealing cars and it puts them him in Dayton around the t- at the same time when Terry's family was there and a seemingly innocuous comment from one of the from I think the I think it's the older daughter of Terry's yeah it's the older t- daughter because the youngest one was yeah a yeah so so Ralph has gone to Terry's family's house to tr- like just try to even possibly make sense of what happened because he is he was you know incredibly convinced of Terry's guilt at first because they had witnesses and forensics evidence and all this shit but now there's this weirdness of how like, literally he seems to be in two places at once so he's going to the family's house which is maybe not great but what are you gonna do he wants to get it figured out and he's asking you know if if anything remarkable happened at all when they were there and the daughter mentions that he cut himself and how it played out is so Terry's father was hospitalized and he that's when they were there in the first place. And there was a like a like a he bumped into a nurse at the hospital and got a cut. And so I mean the fact that the show is telling you this means that's gonna mean something. Yeah, and it means even more that the mom is, like, refusing to give information. Like, I get that her husband died and everything, but her your her refusal to, you know, because he even asked, like, is there something that happened to him while he was there? That happened. And her being like, oh, it's not a big deal. Now that she's making it a big deal. So I think that she has something to do with this. Yeah. Okay. And and um, is, her, is her name Gail? I really need to learn characters' names. That's a bad habit of mine. Yeah, and then it's interesting because of the children. Like, it was it was that young child who saw Terry's face all covered in blood because, I guess, that version of Terry eats children. Um, and then it's the kid that's having... Um, the night terrors about like a man in the room. So I, I think the I think the kids have something to do with it. I don't know how, but it's maybe something that only kids see. I don't know. But how is Terry in two places at once? Like especially like that one videotape they see like that Terry's flipping off the camera. So yeah, because when they're when they're first giving evidence against him, and actually one of the things that I'd really like to show does is. Is after the after the murder, there's this thing where you're seeing scenes out of order, which is like so you see the murder, you see um Mendo like going to the crime scene and seeing the body, and then it jumps to them getting ready to make this arrest. And that arrest is intercut with the witnesses and also this surveillance video of him. And 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 Ralph, which is Mendo, talks about this, which it seems like he wanted to get caught because he's putting himself like directly in line with the camera. He's, 
You know, he goes to this strip club covered in blood. He asks them to call him a cab when there's a t- then there's a taxi in the parking lot. And when he gets in the taxi in the parking lot, he tells the driver to make sure that she calls in the pickup. And it's such a weird thing to do as a passenger. So it's obviously like him, him, like he is doing everything he can to draw attention to himself to put him in line as a suspect. I mean, like, I just don't get it. Like, does he have a twin? Like, is this some sort of reality thing where it's like it's not actually reality or I don't know I don't know if it's like one of the main characters who like obviously did it it's weird it's it it's something that I I keep thinking about I was like going to sleep last night thinking I can't believe Terry's dead how are they going to figure out who did it (laughs) yeah I I do wish I hadn't read the book like if because the book came out you know a couple years ago and and if it had, if I hadn't read the book and they had announced the show that I wouldn't have read the book beforehand because I mean the way King writes I knew there'd be lots of like you'd want to know like what the thing is and so it's it's weird to watch it's weird to watch it knowing what the solution is but the show is good enough that I'm still really enjoying it and not I like not just not just Mendo either. How close is the book to the show so far? I'm not entirely sure. I read the book like immediately after it came out. And so I'm, I don't know, like two or three years beyond it now. I'm trying to remember when that one came out. So I don't remember all the details stuff. But so far, it seems fairly, it's in line with what I remember. There's no obviously like, well, that's not right. And maybe it's good that I read it a couple years ago because that means the smaller, if there are smaller changes, it doesn't bother me. But the major, all the major stuff I think is right on point. Hmm. And it's just, it's a beautifully acted show. Um, Obviously Mendelssohn's great. Jason Bateman is, is really good. It's an interesting performance because how, how sort of quietly Terry takes all of this. You know, he's accused of horrifically murdering a kid. But he seems very calm throughout everything. And then, you know, you have you have Mendelssohn having to realize with this stuff that is utterly bizarre, doesn't make any sense at all, Obviously, also still dealing with all of his grief over his own child. There's a beautiful scene where him and his wife, who's played by Mary Winningham, are out on, um, like, because it's their kid's birthday. And so they're out at the cemetery. And they're sort of, the camera's back a ways, and it's off center. And you're seeing them, like, beyond, like, uh, like part of the camera's obscured by, like, the stone wall. And it's such an interesting choice. And it's it's really beautiful. And the other scene that I really liked is, so he Ralph goes to talk 
to Terry in prison the night before he's going to be brought up in front of a judge. And at this point, Ralph knows that there's just as much evidence to prove he's innocent as to prove he's guilty. So he wants to talk to this guy. This is a guy who knew. This is a guy who coached his son. And when he had first, when they first arrested him, um, he asked him, you know, did you ever touch my kid? And so when they do this scene, when he's back in the prison talking to him, and they both talk about the fact that this would, you know, his, like, Terry's lawyer would be pissed at him for taking the meeting, and the DA would be fucking furious at Ralph to know he was there. Neither of them should be doing this. And and Terry answers this question, and it's his story about how Ralph's kid was this, you know, like, this really small kid on the team. He got made fun of a lot. He didn't have the power to, like be a big batter and so terry taught him how to bunt and he was really really good at it and he's talking about all you know how 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 many times he did it and and got them runs and stuff like that and and terry's goes see when you asked me if i ever touched your kid i really hope that i did and it's just devastating Yeah, that was a really heartbreaking scene. Um, was it revealed in uh, the first two episodes that that's how uh, Ralph's kid died was cancer? Um, I I think they said that. You know, it's at least it's um, it's he was sick because the wife has a line about about something how you know when when he's when he's raging, he's like, well, you know, Terry had nothing to do with our kid's death. I think they said cancer. I do not remember. That might have been in one of the recaps I was reading. Do we know how old the kid was? No, I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, it, it just it's interesting how invested Ralph still is in this case, knowing all the damage that he has done because of it, unfortunately, like if he wouldn't have arrested um, Terry in public like that, you know, probably all these events wouldn't have occurred. Like Terry wouldn't have been dead by the hands of um, the dead little boy's son or brother. Um, it just it's all these consequences. And then there's that moment in, you know, because they're forcing Ralph to go to therapy because he still wants to work on the case. And uh, I forget who the man he was talking to was like, here, I'll help you if you help me. And by Ralph getting help, he had to go to that therapy and just, I don't know, just, just seeing Ralph like that is just, it's like human. Like, it's interesting seeing Mendo in this role because he's, he's human, he's damaged, like all of these things. And He's doing something about it that, you know, he's he's trying to solve the murder of this tragic case of this little boy. And Yeah, and there's there's all these interesting things. Like he talks about how he didn't make the arrest himself because he didn't trust himself not to beat the shit out of Terry. But, you know, at the same time, like, he made this very public arrest. He There was no pre-interview with him, so they never went to him and be like, hey, do you have an alibi for this time? And yes, they had all of this evidence, but if they had talked to him beforehand, the, the other evidence would have come out too. 
all the stuff that supports him being innocent. And so I don't know what that would have meant in terms of an arrest, but it certainly wouldn't have played out the way it did. So, I mean, he's got to feel so much guilt over that. And, I mean, he did, you know, he did the br- he did shoot the brother. Yeah, the brother was like, had just shot, you know, a few officers and shot Terry. But still, he, you know, he, he shot a young, grieving, I think, teenager, you know, in the head. That's got to fuck you up. Yeah. But it is, I mean... Mendo has, has played non-villains like plenty of times. Like his villains are the ones he's like more known for. But I don't know. This character is very, it's very low key, but still really intense, which is a, it's an interesting thing to balance. Yeah. I really, I really like this Mendo. I, I love cop Mendo. I don't know. It just, it, it feels really like at home to me, you know, like this is like, this is what I grew up with Mendo, you know? Mm, yeah. So, you know, I grew up in that lifestyle of, you know, being surrounded by cops, being surrounded by this or that. So it's, it's really refreshing. It's really nice to have this Mendo because it's something that I know and it's something that, you know, truly interests me. That's yeah, cool. It's good. I'm I'm excited to see the rest of the show. Even even like knowing what happens, I'm excited to see how they handle it on the show, and I'm excited to see how you respond to it. I I yeah. yeah. I just hope I hope my dad doesn't spoil it for me because I he's already read the book, and it was funny because he was watching it a couple nights ago, and I'm like, "What are you watching?" He's like the outsider. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be watching that with Emily. And I guess he's read the book a couple times because he had to get it again because he forgot how oh. it ended. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I will say the only thing I'm going to say, it gets pretty fucking weird. Oh, yeah. really? Is there a lot of nudity? Because I'm going to be watching this out. There work, shouldn't I be. I don't even think we ever. I mean, we saw boobs. Yeah, in the but strip not club. not like it wasn't like a prolonged thing. There's yeah. no. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any need for it in this show. It's HBO. Well, no, but so I mean, yeah, but I mean, you're mainly you're mainly focused on. On Mendo and the and then the investigation of this and where how it all spreads out. Yeah, yeah. It, like okay. if there is any more, I think it would be like that strip club scene, like just a brief thing. Yeah, I really like this show. I'm surprised. I was almost surprised how much I really liked it because initially I'm like, okay, cool, it's Mendo, but I'm like, I need to know more. I needed to know what happened to this because I mean, a murder mystery like this could easily be really cheesy. It could be easily something like Law and Order or something. But I fucking hate that shit. Like people always assume that you know because I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice that I live and breathe Law and Order and criminal lines and everything. No, I don't because that shit is stupid and it's obviously fake. This is interesting because, you know, they play on the element of, you know, stuff that 
I don't know. For now, that might actually happen. But I don't know. Just everything in this seems really legit. And I really like it so far. But it gets weird. So I'm interested to see how it I gets I mean, it's weird. already a little bit weird. You have him being in two places at once. And you have the guy with the messed up face and the hoodie. Is that really his face? Or is that a mask? I don't know. You'll find out. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh... I'm I'm really bad with um that I with just shows like this that show like real like real life you know like someone's getting shot or something because it's real like I, it's it's interesting because in like Star Wars or something if violence happens I'm like oh, okay but like war movies or something like I get like freaked out because I'm like oh my god like this should actually happen or this is stuff that could happen and yeah so I had to. I was, I was worried that more would happen, like, especially when um, that one, I, I think it was that one DA or someone was in the woods, you know, hunting. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to kill an animal. That guy but- is weird. <laughs> he is. He's so weird. It's a weird introduction to a character. It's just him, like, out, like, about to shoot a boar or whatever. And he gets a text message and he's like, shit. <laughs> but there is... There's some. There's a really great character coming in, who is actually a character from another like series of Stephen King books, because he did these, um, <sighs> Mister Mercedes, which was also made into a TV show, and there I think it was there were Finders Keepers. There was like three books. I've only read. I think I read the first one. Maybe I read the first two, but there's a character in those books who comes into this book. And it's she's really cool. I'm excited to see her. Hmm. I know. I, I watched the preview for the next couple of episodes. Because I don't want to watch, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Because I, I feel like... Not that I'm going to get spoiled, but I'm just so afraid. <laughs> so Okay. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I understand the show pretty well because sometimes I have to like, you know, go on Wikipedia and like see like the synopsis of the, like the episode or something. But this like, I, I get it fully. Like it's just it's all the details that I'm really curious about, like how Terry could be in two places in once or is someone like face swapping or something. Maybe the dude in the mask is doing that or if it's his face, I don't know. I hope it's a mask because it would make things easier that, you know, he's able to pretend that he's Terry but then in the barn you see Terry's clothes so is that where the dude the face lives like it, that's he's like morphing into other body I don't know and then there's some like goop stuff on it, it looked like like saliva or it was like I don't know something gross some something sort of gross, viscous fluid it, yeah because I recognize the belt that was when I was like, oh, yeah, that's Terry's clothes. But I'm really sad that Terry died. Like, that's so awful for his family and his wife and everything. But I don't know. There's just something about that wife. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, stay tuned. We'll see what happens. She's a little fishy. But then I'm going to feel really bad because I'll be like, wow. Like, I was thinking a woman was fishy, especially right after her husband, who was accused of horrifically murdering a child, was killed by that child's brother and how all this could have been avoided if 
Ralph wouldn't have arrested him in public or arrested him in general. But I don't know. Ralph must have felt really strong about this in the beginning. So I hope that Ralph finds out what he needs to find out. But I, I hope Ralph didn't do it. I don't know. I don't want... I, I don't want him to, like, do it, but then it's like, it's Mendo, so you never know. <laughs> Mendo can eat children. I don't know. So, I'm excited for next week's episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really liking it. They, they, the production value is really impressive. I mean, HBO shows often are, but I'm glad with this one. Especially because I was going to be watching it, even if it was shit. So I'm glad it's not shit. Yeah, it's it's wonderful so far, and this they really need to give Mendo some more some more work because he is just a top notch actor. So good. Like he's just so good. He is good, and it's not just because I have a crush on him. He's really good. Uh, you know, they just bring him to celebration one of these times to do like autographs or something. Yeah, I think he's got that. better fucking things to do with his time. I don't know. You know, I, I uh, we could dream. You just think about like we could like wait in line together and get like a group picture with him no, I can't, or something. Oh, I would, like, no, so... no, can't. Too too hideously embarrassing. Oh my god, I'd do it. I'd do it just to see you do it. Oh man, that could be like on our new shirt. No, but I'm I'm like, I'm happy just... with him. Like if he, I, I'm still got my fingers crossed for Krennic showing up on the on the Cassian show and him being at the panel at Celebration. That's my dream. I don't need him doing autographs or something. I have to be next to you during that. <laughs> Um, do you want to do a quick fuck, Mary kill to, to end the show? Yeah, might as well. So Catherine sent us a couple uh, fuck, Mary kills animated series force users. And uh, she sent us two. I think we'll just do the first one now and save the second one. But first one is Obi-Wan Kenobi from the Clone Wars or Anakin Skywalker from the Clone Wars or Kanan Jarrus from Rebels. Oh, this is easy. Um, I'd, I'd fuck Kanan Jarrus because back in his days before Rebels, he was kind of mysterious, you know, Jedi on the run, kind of my type. So I'd, I'd, I'd fuck Kanan, kill Anakin because, yeah, I mean, he's all powerful and shit, but he's a dick. He's a dick to Padme. I don't like that. He did. And gotta marry Obi-Wan Kenobi because it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, he's so charming and kind and, and funny and witty. All the things that I enjoy in a man. So, yeah. That's my pick. What about yours? Yeah, I think I'm probably about the same. Um, yeah, Anaheim's gotta die. Um, like you said, he's a dick to Padme, and that's not cool. And... I just I don't imagine he's very good in bed. Uh, that seems highly unlikely since he's been in love with Padme since he was a kid. And also, he's just whiny and annoying. So, killing Anakin. Um, I don't know Kanan enough to say that I would marry Kanan. 
because I've seen like four episodes of Rebels. And he wasn't a big part of the ones that I saw. So I guess I'm fucking him. That seems fine. Like he does a handsome enough dude. Um, and I just by lack of other options, I'm going to marry Obi-Wan. What seems like it would maybe be a little bit boring, but I suppose there's worse things. Like being married to Anakin would definitely be worse. I mean, he seems fine. I mean, he'd leave you alone when you want to be left alone. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Clone, Clone Wars era, era Kenobi's not bad. Like, he is a little bit smug. That's the only problem. Like, I think he's a little too short of his own coolness. But, you know, like, and he's got a nice beard. Okay, yeah, sure. There we go. All right. Thanks, Catherine, for the Mary Kill. We'll save that because we'll do the next one next time. Um, Anything else going on? Uh, I don't think so, hopefully. I think we covered everything this week. Yay. So, where are you on social media that people can find you? I am on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. What about you? I am on Twitter and Instagram as EF Lind. The show is on Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod. Uh, rate and review us on whatever you use to listen to this. And you can write the show with questions or comments or fuck, my kills or voice messages or whatever. You can send those to us at CantoBitePod at gmail.com. But until next time, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Uh, Kanto bitch number one doing it fulcrum style. Uh, check it out. Listen up, y'all, cause this is it. Fuck all the rest, be a Kanto bitch. Brittany the Jinj and Emily Lynn. Bet on these two to show place and win. These are the girls you've been looking for. Unique takes on Star Wars and more. Listen every week for laughs and fun. Take it from me, Kanto bitch number one.